Living with Jim Brogan. Your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to- Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. I want to thank you for tuning in to News Talk 98.7 WOKI and You know, I know many of you know that I'm just an avid sports fan. I'm Tennessee through and through. You know, I grew up playing sports. I played basketball and baseball growing up, and I swam competitively, especially in the summers was when I liked to do a lot of that. And uh, like many of you, I've really missed watching a lot of the spring sports stuff. I mean, certainly March Madness was is such a fun time. We just would have had the Kentucky Derby last weekend. And I really miss the traditional orange and white game. We miss the Masters golf tournament. Of course, some of that's being rescheduled for the fall. But COVID-19 has really affected every part of our lives, even down to how we spend our free time, both watching sports and participating in sports, and especially with our kids participating in sports. You know, teams have had to cancel or postpone entire seasons. And there's even talk of playing sports in front of empty stadiums. So I have WBR sports reporter Luis Fernandez with us. He's been following all the latest changes and developments when it comes to sports at the local, the national, and the world stages. Uh, good morning, Lewis. Welcome to More Living. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be up early on a Saturday morning. Uh, you know, wish we could be talking about the sports that are going on this weekend, but I mean, that's just kind of the world we live in right now, you know? And it's just bizarre, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, I mean, we'd be getting ready for the NBA playoffs right now. We'd have had the Kentucky Derby last weekend. And, of course, the missing out on the March Madness. You know, that first weekend of April, that first week of April where we have the Final Four, and then it goes straight into the Masters week, is one of my very favorite weeks of the year. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so much, so much we build around watching these great sporting events, right? Oh, no, I mean, absolutely. You look at, you know, you go back to March Madness, like you said, um, you know, when all of this really started, you know, in in earnest uh, to impact sports all around the the country and all around the world. You know, I I, I grew up in North Carolina. Um, I went to school at uh, UNC. So, you know, March Madness, that's a big deal where I'm from. You know, you you always have the ACC tournament. They reel in the... uh, the big TVs, you know what I'm saying? And during lunch, you'd sit there and watch, like, you know, whatever the noon game was of the ACC tournament on a, on a Wednesday or on a Thursday. And so you lose that. I mean, that's a, that's a huge chunk of just kind of the American sports psyche. Um, you know, the, the brackets take over for so, so long there. And, and now and it, was, it just, you know, you stab your fingers and it was gone. It, it was yeah, well, and, uh, unprecedented. Well, now we'd be in the – yeah, now we'd be in the baseball season, and there's just so many things. And I was really looking forward to the NBA playoffs. But let's start with the, let, let's go through some of these things that are going on right now. 
um, in the, in college and pro sports. Uh, of course, the Olympics has been rescheduled. Let's get into a lot of this stuff. And then I do, Lewis, I want to get into how this is affecting youth sports and what does that mean for down the road. But let's start with the NBA. You know, the NBA kind of mm-hmm. got all this rolling. They were the first to actually start canceling some games. Of course, we had the one player. I don't remember if it was Salt Lake or Denver uh, out in Utah or um, Denver, that uh, the, the player that got infected with coronavirus. Uh, Rudy, but they Rudy were the, Gobert. Yeah, it was Rudy Gobert yeah, and, uh, with the Jazz, yeah. With the Utah Jazz. So I don't. I know they were the first to cancel, and it was such a shock when that happened. And looking back, it doesn't seem so shocking. But when that happened, it was such a shock. What have you heard? What is the plan for the NBA? I know we've heard different things that they definitely want to finish their year, even if they have to push back next year. They've talked about, you know, gathering in one spot. What are, what are you hearing about the NBA? So earlier this week, actually, I believe it was, was it yesterday or Thursday, uh, Adam Silver had a, a teleconference, a press conference, essentially, with the, uh, all the players talking about kind of what the next steps are and, and what it all looks like. Um, you know, you, you bring up how they were the first ones to really get the ball rolling here, and absolutely. Um, you know, I remember uh, when, when everything went down, it was, uh, it was Utah and it was Oklahoma City, and, you know, they're getting ready to tip off, and all of a sudden the athletic trainer just comes sprinting onto the court to talk to the refs, and it was, it was so just bizarre. Um, but in terms of what the, the future looks like, yes, they're definitely trying to play a game. The question is just, how, what will the season look like? Um, how, will it, how will it look going forward? Um, you know, they, there's a lot of talk of, uh, I was listening to um, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN talking uh, yesterday on SportsCenter, and, you know, there's talk of, you know, pr- probably no fans. Um, trying to look at a situation where you have um, centralized locations so that there's less traveling. I know a couple of weeks ago there was the, the rumor that they'd be playing games at, uh, at Disney World or something along those lines. Um, but it's it definitely, you, they want to get things done. They want to regroup the schedule. Um, there's talk of if, you know, they, cope, they start playing again in a couple of months, and, you know, they pick things up and get into the playoffs, possibly even starting the next season of NBA basketball later on in, say, December. Um, you know, but what's, what is so difficult is that they have to have access to testing. They have to have a situation where, you know, these are not just the league, but the NBA Players Association is also coming to uh, an agreement in terms of what is best for the financial aspect of the league and also the health aspect of the league. Um, you know, just so quickly, you know, Rudy Gobert had the coronavirus and then, you know, instantly in that situation, they have to kind of lock down the entire uh, Utah Jazz and figure out, okay, does anyone else on the team, does anyone else in the facility have that kind of that that virus and you know donovan mitchell is you know all-star teammate ends up catching it as well and then you have to go back two weeks and look at every other team they had played in that two-week span and then going from there and then seeing who else could have caught the disease and it's, it's really tough there's there's so much logistics that go behind it but they're definitely trying to have you know the rest of the season play out i mean which i'm sure you know fans all across the uh you know the nba is a global sport so all across the world would enjoy and, and hope, but it's uh, it's definitely going to be a very tough balancing act. The the thing that Wojnowski said yesterday was that June is going to be a big month to watch, and that seems to be a trend with a lot of these different leagues. June is the month to be paying attention to. 
We're visiting with Luis Fernandez, WBR sports reporter, and talking about all the ramifications of what's going on in the sports world. I know it's a big part of all of our lives. I'm an avid sports fan. And, Lewis, uh, you know, I remember when all this started happening, you know, LeBron James had said, oh, I'm not going to play in front of no fans. Now, I think his mm-hmm. perspective now, uh, with the way everything has evolved, and, of course, it's starting to affect uh, pro athletes' compensation, too. But his perspective, mm-hmm. I would think, has changed. But let's – I mean, the, the idea of sports with no fans, especially team sports in front of packed arenas and outdoor stadiums, you know, basketball, football stadiums. I mean, I guess, you know, there's no way we can really judge or, or have an idea what that would look like. I mean, talk from your perspective, Lewis, about – how big the fans are a part of the event, even watching on TV, how much fans contribute to the feel of the event, how they contribute to the, the, the experience of the athletes, and how different that would be watching these major events in huge stadiums with no fans if that's what ends up happening. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you if you start just on a very basic level of what the game looks like and what is going on in a game, I mean, it's, it's, it's chilling. It's haunting to imagine these, you know, professional athletes playing these very important games. Like, could you imagine the NBA finals with no fans? Like, that's, that's, that's crazy. It's, it's, exactly. Now, think it's of the think of all of the, the things ball. we would, Think of the things we would hear, though. Oh, my gosh, we would hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 they um, they not would want us to hear everything, right? <laughs> think of the, think of the would, sounds. Yeah. Think of the sounds of the football. Think of the in the NFL, all the collisions. Think of the sounds we would hear. Oh, absolutely! Right. It, it would be. There's another layer to it for sure. Like you know, you've got it when, like you know, we, you you'll be watching a game and you have like mic'd up moments where you're getting a chance. Like you're not you're not going to need someone to be mic'd up to hear what's going on in the timeout anymore. Yeah, you get the camera close <laughs> enough and like you'll pick it all up. You, you'll pick it all up. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Now, professional athletes have been working out at home, too. You know, just like all that we have, we've done virtual workouts. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch these athletes invent things. We had the horse challenge in the NBA. But it's been Mm -hmm. a long break for these athletes. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how will this long break from organized workouts, I would think especially at the college level, how that could affect the players and the sports as we start to come out of this? That's that's a very good point, and it's it's going to be difficult. You know, you do have, um, you know, you talk about the horse challenge. You know, I remember um, you're, you're watching kind of the different setups that these players have. Like some people are shooting a basketball, like you know, from their driveway, and you know, Mike Connolly, formerly with the the Grizzlies, now with the the Jazz, he's he's over here. He's got an indoor basketball like facility, a gym that you know, was bigger than my apartment, like my entire apartment, you know, bigger than, you know, felt like my house, like that I'd lived in growing up. And, you know, so some people like the professional athletes are going to have better access to that kind of stuff. Um, but on a collegiate level, that, that really is where you're starting to get into a very tricky situation when it comes to, um, you know, conditioning, when it comes to nutrition, uh, when it comes to all those different things. Because if we use like Tennessee athletics and Tennessee football as an example, you, you know, these, these student-athletes have access to all these weights. They have access to indoor facilities. They have access to, you know, the trainers who are there to help them stay in shape um, to rehab if they have any kind of injury. Um, and then from a nutrition perspective, you know, they have all this 
they, they have their nutritionists who are helping them make sure they get the right um, food into their body. And now you take them and you remove them from those very controlled situations, and it's difficult. You have to remember that on a football team, you know, student athletes are coming from all kinds of walks of life. And so, you know, the, the amount of student athletes who are going to have access to an entire weight room at their home, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a lot. And so, you know, well, I know and each, and each kid been, in their own, well, in each kid in their own hometown, I mean, it's going to be in potentially a completely different environment to be oh, able to absolutely. not only work out, but keep them out of trouble. I mean, just the ramifications of that. I know we're focusing on the sports side, but there's so mm-hmm. many ramifications, aren't there? It, no, there, there really are. And it's, it's really difficult because, you know, everyone, one of the cool things about, you know, if we continue to use a college football team as an, as an example, you have so many people coming from so many different walks of life, um, you know, and coming from so many different places. Uh, like, you know, you look at a, a football team roster and, you know, there are X amount of players that come from the state of Florida, X amount of players that come from the state of New York, X amount of players that come from the state of California. So you're taking this group of, of, of student athletes and you're, you're sending them out to the different corners of the countries where, you know, their, their personal life may be different. Their, um, you know, the, the access, like I said, whether it be like to gyms, to nutrition, whatever it might be, is going to be different. Um, where the coronavirus situation in their respective parts of the country is also different. Um, and so yeah. those are all different things you have to keep in mind. And I know Tennessee football and a lot of like Tennessee university has been doing a really good job staying in connection with the student athletes, um, providing, you know, different examples of like what their nutrition needs to be looking like. Um, you actually have the Tennessee um, strength and conditioning staff releasing daily videos telling like, student athletes, the different workouts they can do at home, like with just the things they have lying around, like something as simple as running up a hill or, you know, doing squats and doing like, you know, uh, uh, curls and things like that with gallon jug water bottle, like all kinds of different things like that, trying to adapt. So it's what, what this is really testing is the teams and the different organizations and programs, their creativity and what they can yeah, do absolutely. and how they can adapt to these situations. Yeah, absolutely. We're visiting with Luis Fernandez, sports reporter for WBR. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Olympics being rescheduled and how has that affected some of the athletes? What, has he, what kind of buzz has he picked up on? And we're also going to get into youth sports and, and what the implications are there. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author, and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865 862 6800 or on the web at BroganFinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. 
Welcome back to more living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Rogan, and we're, we're talking sports. Sports is such a huge part of our culture, both as fans and participating. We participate in adult sports, and then, of course, our kids and our grandkids participate in sports. And we're visiting with Luis Fernandez, report, sports reporter for WBR, and we're talking about what's been going on and how kind of surreal it is and where we may be headed in the future. And Lewis... Um, you know, the Olympics was coming up, mm-hmm. and uh, they postponed that to 2021. And I can't even imagine, you know, these athletes are preparing every four years. You know, the Olympics is, you know, it's not like the world championships every year in their sport. It's every four years. And so they're pointing to this, and they're training to hit peak performance right at the right time for both the trials and the Olympics. And then all of a sudden, that goalpost gets moved back a year, which I just can't imagine. How? What has been the reaction of these athlete groups now that they have another added year? What have you heard from the the, the amateur uh, or just the Olympic community of athletes? So I've had the opportunity to speak with uh, a few different Olympians over the past couple of months. Um, you know, Olympians who uh, have competed in games before, Olympians who you know this would have been their first time. And what has honestly surprised me the most is the, the phrase that's used when describing this situation for them is that it's a sense of relief. Uh, mostly because, yeah, exactly. That's always been my conversation. Like, oh, interesting. And that's, that's because it's, you know, obviously in a grand scheme of things. You are training. You're trying to get ready for that moment. So you are kind of hitting your stride. Um, but when you have a situation where, you know, every Olympian or possible Olympian for the 2020 in Tokyo is going to be impacted now by this. You know, everyone has to wait one additional year. It becomes a, a little bit of a sense of relief because every single country across the world is having to deal with the coronavirus a little bit differently. Some countries are getting hit harder. Uh, other countries are fortunate enough to, you know, be avoiding a big mass, a big brunt of this virus right now. Um, so what that does is it kind of levels the playing field. The concern was that these athletes, yeah. if they, hey, they were, they were concerned about, you know, obviously the health of themselves, the people going on and involved. Um, I spoke with uh, UT's uh, Eric Brown, um, you know, a, a swimmer who's, she's one of the most decorated uh, female swimmers in SEC sports history. And, you know, for her, she was like, you know, I'm, I don't want to be in a situation where because I'm out here trying to, you know, work out, I get sick, and then I get one of my loved ones sick. Like, you know, and, and so that's, that's just the beginning of what they're trying to think with. And then you're absolutely right. If they're in a situation where they're not training as hard, they're, they're kind of getting off their rhythm, and the Olympics are going to be still held in 2020 in, in July and August, then they're in a situation where they, they've been working all this time to get to this point, and they're not able to perform uh, at their peak. So now, with well, the and they, yeah, and in, each, and in each area, they all have, and in each area, they all have different, you know, different types of access to working out, as we've kind of discussed. So I can kind of exactly. see that now. I mean, I was surprised when yeah. you said that, but I can see that for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, it's, hey, uh, Lewis, it's like you know, you can, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just no, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say the, you know, it's a sport like track and field. All you got to do is get outside and run. But like swimming, you have to have access to a pool. And yeah. good luck trying to get access to a pool consistently, especially earlier on when this was all going on. 
Oh, yeah. Well, hey, so it's interesting. South Korean baseball is one of the first professional <laughs> sports leagues to return to play. They're playing in front of empty stadiums. I think maybe they're even the players are wearing masks. But here in the U.S., Major League Baseball is discussing maybe a regional system. Do you think they can pull off an, a season with a regional system? It's, it's tough. It's really tough. But that, that regional model is kind of what a lot of different professional sports are looking at right now. You know, I mentioned the NBA earlier. Um, by the way, with the, the Korean Baseball League, uh, I've decided the NC Dinos are my team. Highly recommend checking out their mascots. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that would be what it comes down to, is a regional system. Um, I believe it was uh, Ken Rosenthal who was reporting earlier this week um, that baseball, is, they're, they're starting to lob kind of the, the ideas of what they're doing to the players' organizations right now. Um, where they have a best-case scenario, like an absolutely best-case scenario, being a season-opening date in July, um, you know, which I'm sure sports fans all over the, the country would love. But, you know, it, it, that, that, the regional model, the reason why I think it's so um, – it, it's getting so much attention and why it's being something that's being looked at consistently is that it, it, it takes the chances of someone getting the coronavirus – and spreading the coronavirus within Major League Baseball and really dials them down, you know? So if, if something is going to work, that regional system seems to be one of the best ideas you could do. Yeah, that does kind of make sense. We're visiting with Luis Fernandez, WBR sports reporter. Sports is such a big part of what we do. Um, I do want to get into uh, a little bit later, we're going to get into youth sports and then also what are we likely to see this fall in, in college football and in the NFL? Football is such a huge part of our fabric here in America. Also, when we come back, we'll have our dollars and cents segment. Don't look to the stock market to tell you when this COVID crisis is over. So do stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I got my first real six string. weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this morning for more Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we're talking to Luis Fernandez, WBR. We're talking about the enormous implications on our sports culture. It's such a huge part of the entertainment fabric, and it, it changes lives for these kids, and there's just so much being affected by this. Uh, we're going to get back to Lewis. However, before we do, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's 
the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan in our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Don't look to the stock market to tell you when this COVID crisis is over. You know, when you look at the stock market and the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones, you know, it would seem to be telling us that the expectation from the markets is that this is going to be over soon. The economy is going to recover. We're going to have a V-shaped recovery. In other words, the market, the economy has gone down and then it's going to spring back to life very, very quickly. So you have that that brief point at the bottom economically, and then it explodes back. Um, That seems to be what the market is expecting. Now, always remember that the market is a forward-looking instrument. So the stock market is looking forward. Traders and investors kind of drive things looking forward anywhere from three to as many as 12 months or even longer. So that's why the stock market really leads what is anticipated economic news. So we're getting this horrible, horrible economic news in April and early May, yet the stock market has recovered over half of its loss, uh, that it lost money uh, at, the, at the peak of the downturn. So what does this really mean? What's likely to happen and what can you expect and, and how do you build a financial plan around it? I think, uh, first off, I don't think we're through all this. I think that it's going to be very, very choppy. I think the market potentially is being too optimistic. I see more of a U-shape recovery economically. I think the, uh, the, the recession is going to last deep into the fall and even maybe into this, into 2021. Um, we're not going to be fully back to normal until probably the, the second half of 2021. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think economic activity is going to start picking up, uh, and it already is in some states. But to get completely back to where we were at the end of 2019, you know, I think it's going to be a while. And so I think it's going to be more of a U-shape, and, and the market is kind of expecting, it looks like to me, just from my observation, the market expects it to be more like a V. And I think what that means is when we get economic news that is um, choppier than maybe what markets expect as we come out of this, where maybe the economic news is kind of more up and down and there's uncertainties created, you know, markets don't like uncertainties. So I think we're in for some choppy times. I think there'll be, there'll be good weeks and months and there'll be bad weeks and months. So I think it's just gonna be choppy for a while. But what does that mean for your financial plan? Well, you need to have a financial plan that mitigates any impact of short-term market volatility. Uh, We know that we don't need to try to time the market. I mean, I'm telling you, I think things are going to be choppy. That doesn't mean you need to go out and sell your stocks because I don't know. Uh, You know, nobody does. I know when we're invested at risk in the stock market, we need to be focusing more to the future. Um, and that's not money we should be depending on in the short term. So in a good financial plan, we create buckets of stability of short-term income in retirement in the short term with long-term growth of investments for the longer term to fight inflation. And uh, now then you need more diversification. Most people in that 60, 40, 70, 30 classic mix of stock and bond mutual funds, um, I don't think that's going to work very well in the next 10 to 15 years. I really don't. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that. There are a lot of scientific reasons, uh, mainly because of the, the bear market we're going to have in bonds, I think. 
But bottom line is you need more diversification in your portfolio to smooth out volatility uh, in the risk investments, but you've got short-term stability uh, that you pull from for short-term income and short-term needs. Now, I have published a, a guide, Market Volatility in the New Age, how to create planning in an uncertain world, retirement in an uncertain world. You can get that guide. It's a, it's a complimentary download at my website. Go to broganfinancial.com, and you can download that guide and hopefully be, help you start putting together the foundation of a successful financial plan. Because I do think in three years, this is going to be in our rearview mirror, so you need a financial plan to mitigate the short-term effect. Again, go to broganfinancial.com. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting broganfinancial.com. And do check us out online. You can subscribe to my um, weekly e-blast. Uh, you can also, we got a lot of great resources there. We've got the, the market volatility guide, uh, volatility in the new age. And then uh, we've also got plenty of other resources if you click on the resource tab on my website. So go check us out and follow us. Um, you know, I want, to, I want to keep you informed so you can make prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. Today, we're talking about the enormous impact of COVID-19 on our sports culture. Sports culture in the United States is such a tremendous part of our life, both from an entertainment perspective and for a development and culture perspective for our kids and even our adults and our own fitness, of course. So we're visiting with Luis Fernandez. He's a sports reporter at WBR, and we're kind of talking about all things sports. And uh, let's talk quickly about youth sports, Lewis. I know that uh, youth sports are such a big part of development of kids, both from a sports and fitness side, but also from a cultural side and, a, and an emotional and maturity development uh, standpoint. Do you think that there will be both short and longer term negative impacts on youth not being able to get together and practice and play games for several months. I mean, what do you think the short and long term implications are? Uh, well, short term, you know, what's, what's difficult obviously is, you know, humans are, we're, we're social creatures, right? And especially that age where you are engaging in youth sports, whether, whether it be like a flag football league or, you're playing like baseball or, or t-ball, whatever it might be. It's a great time for kids just to you know socialize with each other, and that's that's when you know from an athletics perspective, a lot of times I feel like kids start finding out what sports they like, what they don't like. They're 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 getting to learn more about themselves. Um, I think that's really important um, from a long-term perspective. You know, you do worry about youth sports. In general, uh, I was reading a report from the Associated Press earlier, and back if you look back as far as the financial crisis in 2008 and how that impacted, you know, AAU or youth sports across the country, you had a, a dip afterwards in the, huh. the years that followed. Here's here's the exact note to throw some numbers at you. Um, the AP notes in its report that participation in team sports dropped from 45 percent in 2008 to. 38% in 2014 as a result of the recession. So, you know, when, when people are in you know, dire financial straits, like in, you're struggling financially, that's something that could be impacted. 
Um, so you're looking at the access to different sports like that, the development of kids. Um, you know, it's, I think, you know, obviously one year will not totally reshape the perspective of a child growing up around sports. If a kid loves sports, they're still going to want to play sports. But, you know, it's it's definitely something to think about. And, you know, I do feel bad for all the I kids out so, there who yeah. aren't going to have the opportunity to hang out with their friends, you know, this summer or this spring or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I can't imagine having had taken a year, year and a half out of my sports world growing up. I mean, with 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 competing, I mean that'd have been crazy. Now let's talk Absolutely. about golf for a minute, Lewis. Uh, our, you know, golf mm-hmm. courses locally are open. We see golf carts, especially on these nice sunny days. And the PGA Tour, my understanding, is set to restart in June. What will the tour look like? Will there be restrictions on PGA Tour? You have to imagine it's going to be very similar to um, you know, what's going on with sports all around the country. Uh, you know, difficulties, you know, you're not, unfortunately, you're not, you're not looking at, like, just massive crowds of people gathered around the 18th hole waiting to see, you know, who's going to win, you know, the Masters or whatever it might be in that situation. Um, so that will have to be adjusted. But golf is one of those sports that I think does lend itself to this situation a little bit more. I agree. Um, because... Yeah, you got all that space, and you got you know, only a couple people on a hole at a time. So it's it, it's one of those sports that um you know can take a situation like this and and adjust to it, you know. Well, and and this month we're going to see the match champions for charity benefiting <laughs> coronavirus relief. I'm really excited about this. You got Tiger Woods and Ball for Life Peyton Manning teamed up and going against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. And I know there's going to be a lot of comedy involved. And a lot of trash <laughs> talking. I just cannot yeah. wait. Can you share some of the details of this event? Yeah, I know for sure. So it's, it's getting started in, uh, they, they actually just a couple of days ago announced the official um, time and date. It's going to be, hold on, let me pull it up here really quick. Um, it's going to be uh, in June, I believe, with Tiger. Yeah, yeah, here we go. It's going to, oh no, excuse me, no, it's May 24th. May 24th is going to be the official time. It's going to be, uh, at 3 p.m. on May 24th, they're playing at the uh, Medalist Golf Club uh, in Florida. Um, you can watch it on, it's going to be on uh, TBS, it's going to be on TNT, it's going to be um, on True TV, kind of like those those kind of family of channels, the, the Turner Sports Channel. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, they're going to be raising, I think it's $10 million for COVID relief at the very least, but there's wow. it, all those guys are going to be mic'd up. You, you know how Peyton Manning gets poking and prodding at people. He, oh, he, yeah. He's a, a comedian in his own right. So it, well, he's a natural on camera. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, two weeks, so that's two weeks from tomorrow. I guess that's Memorial Day weekend, isn't it? That'll be a lot of fun, Memorial Day Sunday. Um, that'll oh, be yeah. a lot of fun. T- tell you what, we're going to get to our last break. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back for our last segment, we're going to talk about football in the fall, the NFL and UT football. Also, if you've missed it, UT is on just an absolute tear on the recruiting trail. Um, sounds like maybe the UT coaching staff is taking this opportunity to outwork uh, some of the other colleges throughout the South with what they're doing. You know, what, what, why are they having so much success? And, and are we likely to see college and pro football in the fall? And what are the differences there? So stay with us on more living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit BroganFinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. And we're visiting with Lewis Fernandez, sports reporter from WBR, and talking about the, the incredible impact on the sports world of coronavirus. As you listen to More Living here on News Talk 98.7, and Lewis, uh, let's talk about the fall. So the University of Tennessee announced they are going to plan, at least for now, the plan is to bring students back on campus in August to start the fall semester, hopefully. And, uh, of course, there are implications there because one difference between college of several differences between college and pro is without college classes, we pretty much can't have fall sports. So what are you hearing about the fall and especially about college football? I would guess the students, the, the, the athletes for football missing spring practice need to be on campus sooner than normal maybe to prepare for the season. So what are you hearing? So it is, you mentioned the, the balance between, you know, the athletics and the academics. That is, that is totally very legitimate and very good point to make. Um, even just as recently as yesterday, NCAA President Mark Emmert said that, you know, um, you know there, there does need to be classes happening. Um, you know, some people will say no, some people may say yes, but it, it's classes happening on campus, a very good place to start um, for these programs in general. Now, what does how, – how do we ramp up to the fall? Um, Emirate actually sat down uh, with um, Dr. Brian Hainline, who's the NCAA's chief medical officer, um, yesterday for a, a pretty big interview talking about all kinds of different things. Uh, for football, apparently the NCAA is currently working uh, on a plan for six weeks of conditioning and practice before playing games, but it's not set in stone. But if you kind of look at that, normally it was a line. Lewis, normally it's four weeks. Is that right? I, I believe so. Yes. So, yeah, but you're you're looking right. at a situation there where it's you know you're 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 looking at if the first game of the season for the majority of teams is going to be you know very first week of September. You know, you're looking at a situation where you're trying to come back and start doing these exercises, these conditioning things in in kind of like that July time frame. Um, what's tough, and especially from a football perspective, because you know, just the, the timing of when the season gets started, it's, it's so, it is right kind of on that, that cusp of, of the timeline with the coronavirus. Um, and right now, I think what, the, what Tennessee has said, what universities across the country are saying right now is they have a lot of contingency plans. They have a lot of things that they're keeping in mind, um, but you have to plan for the season to happen. You have to do your best to make the season happen just because, like you mentioned, the, the importance of college football from a cultural perspective, uh, especially, you know, in the Southeast, and from a financial perspective for uh, athletics programs across the country. It makes up so much of the financial revenue that these different programs have. Not having college football, not being able to, you know, reel in that money, that's a huge blow to the NCAA, to the SEC, to athletics programs all across the country. So you want to do everything you can to make it happen. Yeah, and college football pays for all the other, most places pretty much pays for all the non-revenue sports. So then it all of a mm-hmm. sudden starts affecting with the college's ability to field 
non-revenue sports, and the resid- just the residual effect of no college football would be tremendous. And I think I would think, from my perspective, they're going to figure out everything they can for a way to have some kind of football. I would think. Now, college, mm-hmm. of course, is different because every conference, you know, you have the Power Five conferences. And then you've got, mm-hmm. you know, the mid-made, you know, the high, you know, the other conferences. So every conference, I guess, could end up making their own decision. Whereas in the NFL, you know, you have one governing league working with the players association. So it's really a more complicated thing, not just with having to have classes, but every, every region of the country is different. Every college and every conference may be different. I mean, the SEC is very regionalized. The ACC goes from the far northeast all the way down to Miami, right? Exactly. No, and that the if you were to compare the the challenge that the NCAA has in front of them versus what the NFL has in front of them, I would definitely say the NCAA has has is in a much more difficult position. Um, you know, because there are all those layers. You know, the Tennessee. You know, everything might be fine in East Tennessee and in Knoxville come the coronavirus in you know September, but Tennessee has to play other teams. You know, and something as simple as first game of the year, Charlotte. Okay, pretty same region. But then the first road game, Tennessee has to go to Oklahoma. And all of a sudden, yeah. you're in a situation where those are two totally different regions of the country. So there are so many layers and there are so many issues here. But once again, the kind of similar to what the NBA and the MLB and a lot of these different organizations have been saying, June seems to be a time frame where a lot of decisions will be made. And you're going to have yeah. a lot better idea of what's going to be happening. But until then, it's it's just it's crazy. It's just a lot of kind of hand wringing, you know, and trying to figure out what's what's going to happen. Well, hey, Lewis, let's let's talk recruiting. Tennessee football recruiting has been on quite a tear. Is currently ranked number two in the country and number one in the SEC. Uh, it seems like they've gotten about six highly rated recruits just in the last week and a half or so. And there's maybe some uh, some buzz out there this weekend that they might have a couple or three more highly rated recruits pop this weekend. What's going on? What What is Tennessee doing? What, why is Tennessee the buzz right now in the recruiting world? Uh, well, I think it's it goes back to, you know, I, there, there are a lot of kind of like um, maybe more national media folks or, uh, you know, people who may not understand as much. They go, wow, what's going on with Tennessee? How are they able to do this? They haven't been winning that many football games. Sure, maybe in recent history, but in the grand scheme of things, you're looking at a program that has a whole lot of history when it comes to winning uh, in college football in general. You have a program that's in the SEC, that's in the SEC East, that, you know, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be easier to compete and win in the SEC East than it is to compete and win in the SEC West. You know, you have a situation where, they, they have, like, the, the top-flight facility. Um, and from a coaching perspective, there, if there is one thing when you look at this coaching staff on paper that they just exceed at, it's recruiting. You have some of the best yeah, recruiters actually, in the country right now. Yeah, let me, let me ask you about that. They, you know, they turned over three or four coaches, and the ones they brought in, or they brought in a lot of young guys. Of course, they brought in T. Martin, but they also brought in, of course, that was a year ago. But anyway, they brought in some younger guys and mm-hmm. the early returns seem to talk about the impact. I mean, I guess has that been a huge impact on that staff bringing in those younger assistant coaches? I think it. I think it has. I think it has been. It's one of those things where these guys are able to relate to players, um, and that's that's one thing you constantly hear from from players who 
you know, choose Tennessee from even players that didn't choose Tennessee. Um, but coaches like Brian Niedermeyer, you know, coaches like Derek Ansley, they have anti Martin, of course, they have this ability to relate to players to really be very genuine and authentic. And um, if there's one thing that, that anyone as a human being can pick up on, it's authenticity. And so when you have a conversation with someone, you can see that they're genuinely interested in you as a person and not just interested in what you're able to do uh, on the field. And then that goes along. Well, I'm, I'm awful excited to see the recruiting. I don't know that I've seen Tennessee be this hot on the trail in a long, long time. And, and we didn't get to talk UT basketball, but we we got a stud team coming in with all these great recruits. They just scheduled a, a great pre, a great game this fall, or I guess in December with Gonzaga up, I think, in New York. So it's going to be an exciting time in UT sports. Luis Fernandez, WBR Sports, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Of course. Thank you for having me. I had an absolute blast. Absolutely. Again, that's Luis Fernandez. Thank you so much for taking your time. We've discussed the sports world because the culture of sports provides for more living so we can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for Jill and for Colin helping produce the show as you've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.